Welcome to A Photographer's Life. The channel that takes you behind the curtain into the world of professional architectural photography. Join us now for an episode with some of America's premier architectural photographers. Today's broadcast comes from a recent Zoom meeting of the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This discussion is led by AIAP Director Alan Blakely. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. Now, on with the show. So I want to welcome all of you to this uh, July meeting of AIAP. The topic for today is uh, is marketing, and this is one that we wanted to revisit based on the amount of feedback that we had about people who wanted to talk more about marketing. Uh, that being said, I, th I think that we probably ought to address the fact that a lot of us here uh, are having a really busy year or, um, you know, a, a normal year and that there are a significant percentage of people in the organization that are still having a rough time. And I think most of the people I heard from that was the case that they're still really having a rough time uh, getting things jump started again and and so i kind of wanted to to discuss a few things that are working for those who are on this call that are doing well and maybe some ideas about what those who are not doing so well who will watch this in the recorded version later may be able to implement in their own businesses um now um, brad you mentioned that you you're having a great year i'm booked way off in advance and and grateful for that um can you attribute that to anything in particular or is it just the nature of the fact that you've been in business as long as you have with the reputation you have i i think it's the latter mm -hmm. it's i mean i can tell you you know i had um i have an associate lauren davis now but i had an associate jason meyer back in 2007 when the economy dipped Mm -hmm. And Jason did not make it through that period because all of his clients were local. Yeah. I was fortunate enough at that point that my reputation had taken me beyond just the local market. Therefore, I was drawing on people from all over. And I think it's the same thing now. Um, the, the kind of... Uh, under silver lining to the um, to COVID was I found that there were clients who I had marketed to for quite frankly ten to fifteen years who I wanted to do work for and and happened to have a project in the Midwest that they needed photographed and their photographer that they would probably defer to wasn't going to fly in from Boston or New York City. Uh, so all of a sudden they needed somebody local or more local. And right. I got to work with some people who I'd wanted to work for for a long time. And, and half the battle for me has always been getting in the door. Once I'm in the door and, and can show them what I can do, then it's a whole nother animal. So, uh, so it, it's, uh, you know, but, but I mean, things are, are, are constantly changing, but I, I will say, you know, just the longevity in the business, the relationships, I, I, you know, when you, when I start thinking about marketing, I think most of my marketing is targeted 
you know, it's going after clients that I would like to have um, or going after projects I'd like to be shooting. Unfortunately, I have a portfolio that at least might get me, may not get me the job, but might get me at least a seat at the table or at least get me in the dialogue. So, yeah. Thanks. I, I, you know, you touched on a point here, which is one that I kind of wanted to make our, maybe our jumping off point here for people who are going to watch this later and who are having a difficult time. And, and that's the point of targeting things. Uh, I think there tends to be the idea that if things are slow that you need to market and so you need to jump on Google and, and do AdWords and, and all this kind of broad stuff. And uh, rather than do that shotgun approach, I'm, uh, to me, it, it occurred to me as I thought about this last night that maybe it needs to be a more targeted approach, you know, that we need to use the rifle rather than the shotgun. And um, I know a lot of businesses will make a short list of clients that they would like to acquire. And I think that that is relevant to what we're doing here. And maybe there's 10 firms that have a photographer would like to do business with and probably ought to target those 10 firms and they're not going to get there by doing some broad market advertising or any marketing campaign. And so um, I'd, I'd kind of like to talk about the things that work on a small scale when you target kinds of, uh, you know, certain people and uh, certain firms and go after them that way. Um, Anybody want to jump in here with their own experience as far as things that have worked for them in going after a specific client? Yeah, Norman. Yeah, I um, I, I agree with uh, with Brad. I um, I do the same thing that I, I'll I'll go through and you know with a morning cup of coffee and, and Google clients and uh, architects or designers that uh, that I'd like to work with, and uh, we work in several states, so. Um, but I'll do that. I'll target them. I'll, I'll you know, I'll send them a, I used to do like a, an e-blast of some sort with, uh, um, my business partner, Mary Bell's a graphic artist. Mm -hmm. We'll take our, one of our photographs and make it in a nice, you know, what's it, put it in a nice background behind it. We'll put something on it and, and send it off. Um, but, but that's always worked well for us. We, we, I mean, last year was super busy, and this year has been steady. We've always, even through 2007, when things sunk, we, we've always stayed steady and consistent. So it's uh, but that that targeted marketing is, is I think, is really important. I, the last time we talked, I had some some that were on here that uh, texted me and asked what I was doing, and um, along with your thought, Alan, they were doing a, a shotgun approach approach where they would just blast people. Yeah. And and not having great results from it, and then you know maybe that, and then I don't I don't know why that doesn't work, you know, but um, it hasn't been effective for me. I, I have done that in the past myself, and I've never it's never been effective for me. So I I would I I will say though we kind of split the difference. Um, that that I mean I think once a year we once or twice a year we'll do an email blast to a lot of people. Simply just, you know, you never know who you're going to hit upon. And if nothing else, it might at very least um, 
somebody somebody you don't know may at least become familiar with your work. But I would also say on the flip side of the coin, I mean, consider who our clients are. They're architects. There's probably not many groups of people who have larger egos than our clients. <laughs> and, and with that having been said, to see a project you're interested in, find out who the project architect or the design architect who was involved in that. Reach out to that person via LinkedIn or via their website or whatever and say, hey, I've seen this project that I know you're working on. When it comes time for completion, I'd really like to talk to you about the photography. I just think that that kind of ego stroking <laughs> Uh, you know, the. I mean, I think they're all sitting in their offices, much like we're sitting in our offices, wondering if our work is even being noticed. And so you just sort of reach out and say, hey, I, I've noticed what you're doing and I like it and I'd like to work with you. Like I said, it may not get you the job. Uh, it may have a previous relationship or something else, but it may at least, you know, get them to pull up your website or look at something, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's really important. Um, there seems to be, and a lot of these people that are struggling are kind of on the front end of the career. And uh, there seems to be the attitude that they don't want to make that direct contact. They want to email somebody or text somebody or try to get them to look at something online rather than just pick up the phone or drop by their office or something like that and, and just speak directly to them. I think that direct contact has been something that we've lost over the years and those that will still do it. Um, and, and obviously there are those here that will still do that. That, that gives you a huge advantage. Yeah, Brian. What, what I was going to, uh, what I've learned over time is um, that, you know, the, the very best way to communicate with somebody is in person where they can see you face to face, see your expressions and really get to the, to what you're feeling and conveying. The next best is the telephone where they can just hear your inflections on what you're trying to communicate. And then the worst way is email <laughs> or text or something. But that doesn't mean we should knock out precluding a, you know, a phone call with, hey, here I am, uh, an introduction with an interesting image or something like that. Just so maybe they have seen or at least know about you. Uh, and then you kind of followed up with a phone call. But I think this thing about communication is just so important in terms of being able to uh, really connect with somebody. And that, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. yeah on, on that note, this is Thomas. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I, I just wanted to add a little bit different twist. I relocated to my market about four years ago. Didn't know anybody, didn't know anything about the market. We just decided to move here. I did my due diligence uh, and decided to move here. And in four years, uh, four and a half years now, we've had first year a 47% increase on the previous. In the last two years, 
20% increases. And then this year, I'm already surpassed last August's income. So one of the things I found successful that we have not spent one dime on advertising, emails, any kind of that outreach, what we decided to do was on the note of getting directly in front of people, we joined organizations that had social events where the professionals in the organizations would, would meet and we could shake hands and hand out cards and brochures and whatever we had directly with them. Things like the chamber, if it's, if it's an architect's organization, they might have an affiliate membership or vendors that support their industry. Uh, I've joined four or five different groups here. We visit them on a regular basis. And we've had, and it, it, again, not ever being in this market, we're having the best year we've ever had. So I think getting in front of people is is the way to do it because, you know, you're looking them in the eye and you're saying, here's what I can do for you. And, you know, it, it's, it's just very, very effective. So I've had great success with it. And I would encourage people to look in their local markets and see which organizations have affiliate memberships for people who support their industry and join and go to their meetings. And, and like I said, shake hands. It works wonders. Thanks, Tom. Um, we've talked in the past about organizations, you know, like AIA and uh, SMPS, um, ASID and IIDA and, and uh, the Home Builders Association, for those of you who shoot residential uh, properties. There's all of those things that you can show up to usually for uh, a small fee and uh, get introduced to those people in a casual atmosphere where they're not going to feel threatened like you're trying to sell them something necessarily, but um, it's a social event and they can get to know you and, and vice versa. And I think those are just invaluable. Um, I got to thinking back about what I did, you know, 35 years ago before there was internet and, and things like that. And um, I ran across my, my contact book, which I had kept and I, I created a form where I, I had uh, a column for the, you know, the date and, and who it was, or who it was in the company I contacted, what was discussed, uh, and then what the next step was in trying to acquire that client. And I used that form religiously and I would go through that. And, and I had about 25 firms that I was diligently trying to get business from because I started out with, with no business at all in the market that I was in, just like Tom did. And then going to these social events, um, you know, was a huge situation. So I, I kind of went back to those basics and left the internet out of the equation. And I think for somebody that's in a bad situation right now, trying to salvage their business or keep it going, going through the end of this year, even, um, you need to do some things that are more in-person and, and less online. Would Does anybody else concur with that or have a different viewpoint on that situation? Yeah, Brad. No, I, I mean, I definitely concur. And I, I mean, and I will say what I'm about to say is not going to be true for everybody here. And, and lots of people are probably just trying to hit their local markets, but you know, uh, and I know things have changed a little bit, but you know, there, there was a, a good period of time where uh, Southwest out of where I'm at uh, had like $59 fares to places like Boston, 
uh, Baltimore, uh, Kansas City, and you know, for under two hundred dollars, I could fly round trip, rent a car for the day, and and go meet with clients face to face. That that you know, we're quite frankly hundreds of miles away from my local market, and and I just felt that that was invaluable. In fact, one year, quite frankly, I had planned on going to Boston for two consecutive days, going on a Thursday and Friday, meeting with some clients on Thursday, the rest of them on Friday, and found out that a lot of my clients were um, not going to be in town that week. So I ended up going on two Thursdays, on two consecutive weeks, and it was actually cheaper for me to fly into Boston in the morning, fly back in the evening and not spend the night because hotels in Boston were so expensive. And and so it, it was like $118 for each of those flights and, you know, met with, you know, eight clients each day. So there were 16 clients in Boston who I was able to meet with face to face. And I just don't think that there's, like you said, too many people of the younger generation try and do everything via email. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a retoucher, an in-house retoucher, who I would say, call the client, get clarification on this. And I'd see her two hours later and I'd say, what did the client say? And she goes, I don't know. I, I haven't heard back. I sent him an email. I'm like, why do you send them an email? I said to pick up the phone client. And I just think that anything you can do in person, face to face, I do, I will say that I do think um, Zoom has been kind of a, a, a good, bad thing because it's allowed me to see clients who I would have only talked to on the phone in the past. Oh, yeah. And, and and I do think that there's some walls get broken down when all of a sudden you're talking to somebody. I mean, it, it's, I have to say, the whole reason I got on this call today is there's people like you, Alan, who I've dealt with for, what, 10 years? Or yeah. Probably. I've never seen your face. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, you know, there's some joy in that, you know? Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. That's. That's great. I, you know, you bring up a, a kind of a tangent here that uh, about working outside your local market. That I think that there's some fear uh, among people who are just getting into the business about, you know, why should I look outside my local market? I'm just having trouble in my local market. Why should I try to do anything nationally? And it's just not that difficult to work in multiple markets, really. Um, airfare is still not really very expensive. It's not a big part of of what you're going to charge your client anyway. And so maybe that's something that uh, is worthwhile. For, I know for me, most of my work is not in my local market. Uh, my local market is extremely price sensitive. And, you know, I'm the guy they call when they need a third bid. So they're going to reject. So <laughs> um, I don't worry too much about that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Brad. You bring up some excellent points there. Anybody else? Alan, uh, yes. this, this is Thomas again. I wanted to bring up a point. When I came here, I joined the, the local chamber of commerce. At that meeting, I met the head of the visitor and conventions bureau. 
since then, he's, he's referred me to about 15 jobs, including hotels, gas stations, new, every new business that comes into town, he knows about it. And, and we've made a connection now to where if someone needs a photographer, he refers me. And that's the kind of thing that you never know who you're going to meet at these meetings and how the connection is going to be. But he's been a big part of my, my business for the last three years, and he keeps sending me new business all the time. That's excellent. Um, connections like that. Yeah, let, let's talk for just a second about where we find these leads, because I think that's kind of a mystery to people new in the business. You know, Brad, you mentioned about stuff about upcoming projects and things like that. And, um, you know, ENR is a, is a good resource for those kinds of things. If, if people don't take that magazine, they should. And, and there's usually a local market uh, construction news or architectural news or something like that that's going to be in a person's local market that they can look at, as well as you know, a news feed uh, that talks about new projects coming online in, in anybody's particular market and who's going to be involved in those. Those are just, I mean, for me, that's where I, I look to see, uh, you know, for any new leads, uh, a business that I, I might want to fill in the gaps with, uh, things like that. Anybody else have thoughts on where we find leads? I know for myself personally, um, I've got uh, here in, in the Chicago area, um, I have some architectural clients. Most of my clients are interior designers. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, the ASID has been a, a big resource for me. And you can go to the ASID site. And um, I even think, I mean, you can pick a state and it just lists everybody's name, their, yeah. their website. And, and, you know, and you can really, you can be selective because I, I don't want to work for the, uh, the mom that does this on the weekend. I want to work for somebody that, you know, uh, has publication, press, high-end high clientele. Um, that, that's what I enjoy shooting and that's what I enjoy working with. And, and they're the ones that have a budget. So that, that's the other thing. Uh, and I don't know how many of you suffer from this, but in the Chicago area, you know, Everybody who's been laid off from whatever their job was has become a photographer. So, <laughs> so that that's really uh, that's really been damaging to a lot of people. I know I see Paul's on, I see June's on, but that, that's been damaging to a lot of people uh, in, in our profession. And it's um, it's challenging sometimes. I mean, to to make someone understand what goes into uh, creating a fine image, and to me that's. Once you, if you can convey that message, you get a client. But that's that is the challenge I think a lot of people are having is trying to tell somebody why why this image is so much better than you know somebody who grabs a camera and starts just blasting. It's just uh, it's, you know it's tough. I, I I I know a lot of a lot of photographers that have been damaged by um, what I call the weekend warriors. And, um, yeah. Um, along those same lines, I found, uh, and I haven't done this recently, but I found early on that all of these groups are kind of desperate for people to come and talk at their meetings. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you've got if you've got the uh, confidence to go stand in front of a group of people like architects or interior designers or contractors or whatever, um, and show your work. 
I mean, that's that's a huge opportunity to come away as the guy that knows the most about photography in the market. And uh, my experience has been that they're very willing to give you that forum if you're interested in taking it. And all it takes is is a telephone call to somebody who's the the programs director or uh, you know the activities director for one of these organizations and. I keep coming back to SMPS because that seems to be the, the biggest amalgamation of, of different kinds of clients, whether they're for design firms or architectural firms or builders or developers. Uh, that's where you can kind of touch the most markets, I think, anyway, is through through the SMPS. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of advocate for that, even though I, I hate the readings, but uh, I shouldn't say that publicly. but. Um, that's a, that's a great forum to, to be able to talk to. Uh, any other thoughts? Anybody? Yeah. I, I would also say, I mean, I know this isn't any help to somebody right now, but patience. I, I, you know, a lot of times the things that I'm marketing, I'm marketing when things are in the design, when designs have come out, you know, that, so and so, you know, here's the design for the new, and and it's not going to be built for two three years. Yeah, and you know, I want to be part of the conversation way before they're thinking about who's going to be photographing it. You know, um, if you're part of the dialogue before the thing breaks ground, then you're going to be part of the dialogue. Hopefully, at the very end. Um, I mean, I, I also will say, um, and, and this, this is where I've gotten work surprisingly <laughs> uh, in the last year. And, and this is just uh, kindness, uh, not only to your clients, but to your fellow photographers. <laughs> and, and, and that sounds funny, but there's an architectural photographer uh, was probably the top architectural photographer in Indianapolis. And um, with COVID and everything, she's in her early 60s. Her husband decided to retire. Uh, she decided to retire. She's built relationships with clients for the last 20, 30 years, and she cares about them. And so she wanted to put them with somebody who would care about them like she cared about them. And so she's referred all of her clients to me. So I've gotten all this influx from another photographer um, who's, you know, ready to step out of the business, but wants her clients taken care of. So um, it's a pretty wonderful thing. And uh, but that that all from mutual respect and friendship and those type of things, you know, um, I, I think if I learned anything from COVID is we all got to look out for one another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we don't, we want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I there's not the camaraderie that there used to be professionally. Um, and I think back to like the 1980s when I I first started getting involved in things professionally, and uh, th at that time it was the ASMP that was kind of the you know where you got to meet other photographers, and there was. 
there was a competitive nature to it, but not so much as there was a camaraderie. And, um, you know, everybody was kind of nice to each other. And, and if, if you couldn't do a job and somebody else could or whatever, it was no big deal to hand it off to somebody else. And, and that's kind of gone away. Um, I think it's because the, the level of professionalism has kind of dwindled and there's, there's a few at the top. And then, uh, like Norman was saying, there's a lot of people who have just jumped into this as kind of a, a, a side gig. And, um, I know in my local market, there's a photographer who's been at it as long as I have an architectural photographer. And I have no problem sending people back to him and him to me and things like that. It's a very cordial relationship, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, there's not anybody else in the market I would send one of my clients to, uh, because I just don't trust their abilities uh, and things like that. So, um, and I know that that goes on within this organization as well. Um, you know, I, I send referrals to other members who I can't, you know, I can't do a job and, and I know that they can in a certain market if I don't have the things. And I think we should, that's probably a good thing to foster and, and at least keep trying to try to keep going that camaraderie that we have. Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I think, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Brett, please, Brad, go ahead. All, all I was going to say is I think the biggest difference that I see, and, and most of us here I know have lived through it, is that in the early 80s, or late 80s, early 90s, we were all going to the lab. And we were That's right. <laughs> and we were sitting there at the light table looking at our chromes on the light table. I still do that. photographers, <laughs> and it was like, hey, look, I shot this really cool project the other day. And they were like, hey, look at what I just did. And and now we don't have a common gathering place. I mean, this is as close oh. to a common gathering place as we have. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of that camaraderie has disappeared. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree with that. And I, and I miss it. Right? We used to hang out at, uh, at Lightbox in East Dundee, Bruce Starnberg's place. He's in, uh, he's in Oregon now uh, and a fantastic photographer. Him and I would shade off clients when we could do a job. But I, I agree that that camaraderie that um, and there's nothing like throwing a transparency on the light too. <laughs> nothing looks like that. Um, but I, I agree that that's that professionalism that Alan was talking about. That's something that we really do have to foster because, uh, you know, I, I, I would have no, like, I just glanced at your, your site, Brad. If I had a job in, in the Ohio area and I couldn't handle it, you know, I wouldn't think twice again some of the client off to you because of your skill level. But that, that professionalism and that interchange, uh, that, that's important. That, that allows us to, uh, to walk, like Alan said, watch out for one another. I think that's really important. Yeah. There needs to be more of that. We used to do it. No. Uh, that kind of leads to another point that I wanted to go into that I think would be helpful to the people who are kind of on the, the front end of the business here. And that's, um, you know, that's the peer review kinds of situations that we used to run into in ASMP where, you know, we'd have portfolio review nights. <laughs> Everybody's laughing. Those were painful, weren't they? <laughs> um, some of them, but, but they were really useful. And that's gone now. And every once in a while, I'll have somebody contact me who's either a member of this organization or another and say, I'm just not being, I'm just not getting clients. I'm doing everything I can. I've got this really nice website and I'll go to the website and 
you know, the work's just not really very good <laughs> or the, the image choices they've made are not good uh, or they've got too much. They're showing way too much stuff. And, and, and so there's, there's that peer review that's, that seems to be lost in the equation. And um, I mean, how do you deal with that now? I know I've got a wife who's so brutally honest that um, sometimes it's really painful, but she, uh, she proofreads everything I do that goes out. And she also uh, approves everything I, I post and, and just to make sure that, and I'll say, you know, I'm going to post this image and, and are you sure you want to post that image? Huh? And uh, so she, she keeps me in line with that as well as, um, you know, some other professionals that whose opinion I trust, but I think that's, what's lacking on some of the, the younger photographers is they don't have that mentorship of somebody saying, this is crappy <laughs> and just telling, telling them, what needs to happen to make it better? Anybody have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I like where you're going with that. Uh, I have a business partner. Uh, we've been in business together for 30 years. And Mary Beth, you might have met her last time. She's uh -huh. um, but she's the one that does our website and posts our pictures and screens that. She's you know she's the graphic artist in the, of the team, and um, so I defer to her for that and, and, and proofreads all my stuff. But that's you know. Being brutally honest with somebody is sometimes the best advice you can do with somebody. If they have bad compositions, sometimes it's just a bad composition, or it's they don't have a skill level. I, I have a I had a photographer, an architectural photographer, about ten years ago in uh, in Oregon. He called me and he said, "Norman, I, I want to get into this. I, I like your work. Can you tell me how you you know?" He goes, "I just got the I just got the new Power Mac. I just got this software. I just got this camera." He goes, "Can you tell me what you use?" This is 10 years ago. And I, and I told him and, and he goes, well, if you don't want to up and be honest with me, then, then don't talk to me. And he hangs up. And, you know, I, and I, you know, because I was, I told him what I used and uh, it wasn't as modern and up to date as what he was using. You know, but I, but it was honest. So he called back eventually and, you know, but I, I showed him, I took pictures of my, this is what I use, you know? Um, but I, I think that, that being honest with people, or even with getting clients, I've, I've called people where I said, well, you do great work, but your photography is horrible. I, I have no tech. Um, I've got, and that, they ended up being my client. And they, what do you mean? I said, well, you can't see through the window. The light fixture's blown out. You know, you can't see any detail in the image. And when you show them that, you know, what it's supposed to be like, you're like, wow. So, I mean, sometimes the, the honesty aspect, you know, it works. That's for me. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a, if we decide that we're going to be the best photographer in a certain market or with a certain client, we, mm. we need to take the position of being an, an educator to that client, mm. help them understand what's good and why it's good and, and why things need to be done in a certain way. Um, David, Ogle, David Ogilvy, the advertising guy from years ago, he always said that the market leader uh, is the one who takes the role of, of being the educator yeah, in a market. And now what the brand or what the you know, product category or service category is, that, that their brand, if, when it becomes that of being an educator, then they're automatically perceived as being the market leader. And uh, a lot of his clients uh, took that, you know, that brand approach over the years. And we all have a brand, whether we 
want to admit to it or not. And um, so I think we need to ask other people what that brand is to really to be honest about it. And it, this is this is me talking to the young photographers who are on this call. But um, the brand is not what you tell people it is. It's what what you prove that it is. You know, it's. Uh, it's it's the work that you do and and i've always thought that that doing good work is always going to be the the biggest competitive advantage it it doesn't matter what your price is or you know what equipment you have and and i think people would be just like norman people would be surprised to see really how simple the equipment is that i use and many of you use um but good work is uh, you know being able to do good work which is about you, not the gear. Uh, that's that's the advantage, and people are hiring hiring you for your eyes and and the way you see things and the way you can capture things. Uh, their their projects, you know, specifically, um, and not the gear that you have. Um, and I think that's kind of lost on people that are just new in the business. They're they're thinking that they need to, you know, really invest heavily in a gear, and it's just. I mean, I've shot, I've shot jobs with my Fuji X rangefinder camera <laughs> when, when the, you know, and when that was the only thing that would work in a situation, and that was fine too. It's just not about the gear. Norman, you obviously are open to talking to people about, yeah, I, about I, I, their stuff and, and how to do things better. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, I got no problem. I have. Alan, I have photographers call me or email me all the time. How do you? How did you do this? And how did you do that? Yeah. Now, to me, I've always had the the attitude: there's plenty of work for everybody, and I don't think we should be a, a threat to each other. No. We talked a little bit about that last time. I, I think that if someone decides to use, you know, Dale or Alan or Brian, it should be, you know, it shouldn't be based on price or this. It should be based on the work. Uh, you know, maybe they like this style better or that style better, and but we shouldn't be a threat to each other because. I think we can we can all benefit from uh, each other's skills and each other's experiences. Um, it, it just you know, and all it, it helps everybody. I, I don't see how sharing an idea or a process or uh, the way we do something. You know, I'm not worried about anybody taking my clients. You know, if I lose a client, you know, big deal. I get another one. But it's it, it, there's plenty of work for everybody. And I think if we have you know, if we, if we respect each other's, you know, client base, like, you know, I, I wouldn't, if someone called me and said, well, Alan Blakely's, you know, my photographer, can you bid against it? I probably wouldn't bid the job. You know, I wouldn't do that. I, I don't need it. And, and, um, and I think that respecting that is important. You know, I, I'd rather have Alan's, you know, friendship than his job. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I think that's lacking in a lot of, a lot of, I think that's gone. It used to be, we used to have that kind of respect for each other, yeah. a lottery among professionals. And I, I don't see it so often. It's, it's very cutthroat now. It shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, one thing, I, I, you know, let's go back to, to talking about, we, we talked about the direct contact and things like that. Before we leave that, one thing I wanted to just make the point of is, is is following up and uh, in the conversation that i had with brian that is uh online uh the video um on youtube uh, one of the team things we talked about was you know following up with clients and things like that and then this came out subsequently in one of the meetings that we had as a group that 
a lot of times we're the only ones who, you know, if we get the job, it's because we're the only guy that followed up <laughs> with the client after they requested the quotation. And so, you know, we, we do the quote and, and we, and the tendency I think with younger folks is to, is to email that quotation off and then wait. And if nothing happens, maybe text the client, but, um, yeah. I, the following up, I, I think, is something that I'd like for those who are going to watch this video later to understand that how important that is, is just make the phone call, you know, drop by the office or whatever and ask if there's been a decision made and is there any more information they need or things like that. It's so important. Let's go back to to uh, to the Internet and social media and kind of jump on that for just a second. I'd, I'd kind of like to hear from some of you about where you are now and how that, how that integrates into your marketing mix for your business right now. Uh, everybody here, um, it seems to be roughly the same age group. And so we've been through, yeah, <laughs> uh, we have an experience outside of the internet. Um, but I'm just wondering what role does that play in your marketing mix these days, anybody want to go? Um, I, I think that the uh, it, it's become a. I, I'm a people person. I like talking to people. I love meeting people, and I and I'm not. I'm still not afraid of my telephone. People have become afraid of their telephone. I think Brad talked about that. They wanted someone to follow up with something, and they sent an email. Uh, the telephone is the most effective way, and and I like. I like hearing someone's inflection. I'd rather meet, you know, set up a meeting. But the um, for marketing, the internet's become a necessary tool. I mean, it's it's an easy way for us to 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 look at new companies, to look at old companies, to look at someone's portfolio, um, and, and to assess whether or not you know we we would integrate with them or we would not integrate with them. You know, is it a good fit? Is it not a good fit? I when I look at a new client. Um, or a potential new client, the first thing I look at is who's shooting for them. Because if, if it's someone I know or someone that's, you know, um, or if the work is good, I won't bother that client. I mean, there's no reason to. They've got a good photographer. Go to someone that doesn't have one. There's plenty of those. That, and that's that's always been the way I've worked it. If someone's got a good photographer, and you know, why would you interrupt that or, or, or cause problems for someone? You know, they, they've got a good gig. Leave them alone. There's plenty of companies that have crummy photographer. Everybody's walking around with an iPhone, um, and they think that's acceptable. And, it, you know, it isn't. So, you know, that, that's the client we should be targeting. By two cents. How big of a deal is our posts uh, on LinkedIn and Instagram and, and, and other social media for, for each of you business-wise? Is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? <laughs> Anybody want to talk and speak to that? And I think I've made one Instagram post, maybe a couple, but and um, LinkedIn. Um, I, I have thousands of connections. I think I've gotten one job. I got one client from LinkedIn, uh, and they're a good client, but one. So I, I don't even. I think I delete all the LinkedIn emails I get. Because I get so many, I don't even look at them personally. So I don't, I don't know. But I, I, I think this goes back to something you were talking about earlier, Alan. And and um, I'm not sure 
you know, we've got our Instagram page. Um, you know, I've got LinkedIn. I've got, you know, I really don't do Facebook. Uh, don't care to. Um, but I, I think it's all part of building a brand. And um, I'm not saying that uh, work is coming in directly from that, but you know, you're you're putting it out there. You're letting people know that the quality of your work. You're um, you're building a brand. I mean, it, it really comes down to that. That you know that that people start to identify. And, you know, you, you never know where things are going to come from. And it may not be directly from LinkedIn or maybe, uh, you know, uh, you know, not directly from Instagram. But if there's an architect who happens to be following your, your Instagram account or whatever, you know, they may be sitting at a table one day and go, you know, hey, you know, uh, how about Alan Blakely for this? You know, you, you don't, you don't, and it, and it may not be, Hey, we saw you on Instagram and therefore blah, blah, blah. Right. blah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 you know, I don't think, <clears throat> I think all these components, whether it's email blast, targeted marketing, Instagram, you sort of need to be doing a little bit of everything because all of that builds that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's not one thing it's it's everything okay yeah, and i and i think that's a, uh, a really important point is that that's part of that marketing mix that builds our brand awareness and it's the awareness that at some point triggers some action down, down the line um, social media does does two things for me um, one it reinforces the clients that I already have, it reinforces that relationship because I showcase their their projects and I tag them and their 25-year-old social media person thinks that's a huge deal and tells the boss about it. <laughs> so, um, so it reinforces that relationship. The second thing it does is I always, if I possibly can, I will tag anybody else that's been involved in that project whether they're a licensee or not. And so if I, you know, if I've shot this job for the architect, but the contractor and the interior designer and the engineering firm chose not to license it, I'll still tag them. Um, And that gives them attention. And I think it, it somehow hopefully might instill some feeling of obligation on their part. (laughs) There's some guilt was the word. Yeah. (laughs) But um, that, that builds awareness as well. Now I, I can't, say that I've ever had a client that I can attribute to seeing me on a post that I've never worked for before or never was involved in any of the projects I've shot that hired me because of a post that just doesn't happen. But I have had clients who have been say secondary clients because I have tagged them because they were involved in the project that I'm showcasing in that post, even though they didn't license it. And then they then have become a client after the fact. Um, And so for me, it works in those two ways. It reinforces the existing clients and it's in some ways kind of softens 
the path for a relationship with future clients uh, in those situations. So that's why I do it. And it's LinkedIn and it's Instagram and, and anything else doesn't seem to have any bearing on my business at all. So that's just where I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Dale. Dale, you I'm putting in a plug for AIP, I think, because the two, I got two out of state uh, requests for proposals this year. And the only way that I think they found out about me was through AIP. Because I'm, you know, they just out of the blue send me a request and they're turned out to be really nice jobs. I doubt if I'll ever do anything else for them because they're on East Coast and they had something on the West Coast that needed to talk. Maybe, but that is a plus. Absolutely. I appreciate that. I. I can tell you that the traffic that we're seeing has just continued to increase month to month since since about July of last year. So it's been about the past 12 months. We have had consistent increases in traffic on the AIAP directories, um, people looking for photographers. And one thing that that I find and that people tell me, uh, like yourselves, is that those people are people ready to buy photography. They're not, you know, just there for information or wondering about things. They actually need to hire a photographer. And so that's why they're on that directory to begin with. So they're kind of pre-qualified uh, in, in that sense. And I think that's been a, a huge deal. But um, uh, the social media, uh, at least those two reasons are the only reasons I'm there. Yeah, Brad, you had a comment. Well, it, it's actually something you touched upon, and this is kind of a, a segue to something else. But um, And I, I don't know, maybe it'll, it'll end up being a... a, a point of contention for some, uh, but you talked about uh, licensing. And um, I am a staunch protector of my copyright. And, uh, and I encourage all the young photographers to be staunch protectors of their copyright because uh, the amount of, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but it's true. There, the amount of money I make on relicensing my work probably exceeds what some photographers make doing photography. Yeah, it is that valuable. It is that important. Uh, you you want to be able to maintain your ownership. I, I know too many people, and I have I have given up clients who wanted the copyright. And I wouldn't, I would not give them the copyright, um, you know, and they just, I was trying to explain to them, you know, I'll give you all the rights you want to these images, but I don't give up my copyright. And, um, and they, they said to me, oh, well, the wedding photographer who shot my wedding, he gave me the copyright. And I'm like, did he register the copyright to you with, you know, uh, the copyright service? Uh, I don't think so. I think he still owns the copyright, but they they were having none of that. But, right. uh, but please keep your copyrights. Yeah. You know, the um, what, I, what I found with, the, I, I do some of that, Paul, Paul and I are in the same market in Chicago. And, and uh, I, I'll do an email promotion. Um, I think Brad said he does a, a big blast a couple of times a year. And, and, and I'll do that once in a while. Um, it's, 
you know, I, I have a targeted list I clients that I want to work with, and that's who I hit it to. But um, but yeah, the, the social media, and maybe I should do more. I, Alan brings up a beautiful point too about keeping it in front of you, and and um, you know, I find that a lot of my clients are getting younger and younger. You know, I'm, and oftentimes, uh, uh, you know, I, I I guess we need to appeal to that or address that with the social media. They they like that. I just did it. Yeah. You know, and that's that, that's tough for a lot of us. You know, like Paul said, he doesn't probably do any of it. So, I mean, how many of us are actually getting jobs from social media? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever gotten one, I, and I and I don't do a lot of it. So that's probably why. I wonder too that if if maybe the people that come back and and that are buying photography who are in their you know thirties now, most a lot of them, um, if maybe that's part of the vetting process for us, is that they look and see where we are on social media and you know look at look at so and so's Instagram and see what kind of work he does. Um, so in that regard, I think it's important as well. I, I'm sorry I interrupted someone there. Uh, hi, this is June. Yeah, I. Hi, June. Uh, hi, hey guys. The young guy. Um, <laughs> uh, I got a the question as regarding the copyright. Um, I recently am in a situation where I photograph a real estate agent, and then I had the agent sign a contract, so they already know. But then they still gave it to architect, and then I remind them a few times. I see it on the architect's. Um, Instagram, I contacted them. They gave me, they wanted to buy all images, but really kind of lowball me. And I just said, no, I couldn't do that. I can meet you in the middle. Um, they ignore, ignore. And then I just say, I just emailed them again um, to, hey, okay, this is the offer. The offer is going to expire. So now they just block me on Instagram. So I still could see with my personal Instagram that they still have my stuff. So long story short is that I would love one or two uh, attorney recommendations um, to help me with this. Are you, are you a member of ASMP, just out of curiosity? Uh, am I a member of ASMP? Yes. ASMP's legal counsel? Okay. I, I'm just, I mean, you know, ASMP, their legal counsel is excellent. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Okay. Awesome. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah appreciate it. And Brian, you you got a comment there. Yeah, I wanted to uh, back up the recommendation on ASMP. Uh, their legal counsel is on staff now. His name is Thomas Madry, and you have to be a member uh, to get legal advice, uh, which wasn't always always the case. And just in this last week, uh, they've started a sign-up system where you can allocate a dedicated 15-minute time slot on Tuesdays uh, to talk directly with Thomas Madry. So it really is a awesome. good system, and he's top top drawer on everything. He's going to be speaking at our uh, conference. We're having our fifth uh, Southeastern Film and Photo Conference in February of 22 in Charleston, South Carolina. And Tom is going to speak there. And we also have some other dynamic speakers. But I, I just want to reiterate, uh, 
the importance of, of uh, keeping your copyright. Um, Brad, you, you and I are right there on, on, on realizing the value of our work uh, now and down the road. And the licensing model is absolutely the way to go. Talk about a way to help get me through COVID. Well, um, it, it definitely did on, on licensing. Uh, can't say enough good things. I register everything I shoot and, um, it has paid off dearly. Yeah. I, I, you know, I would also second the recommendation for Thomas and, uh, uh I don't know that anybody that is better equipped to defend photographers right now for copyright than he is. Um, we also, we also have the, the pixie service that we, we had them, uh, talk, uh, they did a webinar, uh, a month and a half ago and I use them. And quite frankly, they have discovered so much, uh, compromised imagery of mine and it was just staggering. And so they are working on over a hundred image cases for me right now and licensing accounts for me personally, licensing accounts for easy 40% of my income. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's a huge uh, amount of income to give up if you if you're not going to uh, police it and have somebody police it for you or whatever, and, and not going to enforce your copyrights. So, um, two good resources there. Yeah, I'm going to go along with Alan. Uh, I was introduced to Pixie here on this site a couple months ago. I signed up with them, and, and I I think I have 120 some cases ongoing right now. And they've already, I mean, in the first week, they recovered, you know, licensing funds for me that, you know, I didn't even know that people were using. But um, it's, um, June, that, that's, a, that's another road um, that you might want to pursue is just sign up with them and, and, and give them the information. They can take it from there. Uh, but it's, they've been really effective. Gentlemen, um, thank you for your participation today. This has been a good discussion. And... I appreciate your insights on this. We're going to put this up on the web. Um, and to Paul, um, with regard to image licensing, if you go to the YouTube channel of Photographer's Life, we do have an entire meeting on image licensing where we hash this out at great length. Thank you all for participating today. And I hope to see you again next month. In the meantime, I'd appreciate it if you have some topics that you think we ought to look at and address, please email me directly and we will see what shakes out as a topic for next month. And with that, I hope you all have a great weekend and continue right. to have a good summer. Enjoy your fly fishing. Thank you very much. Take care. Take care, care. guys. Alan. Bye. Thank see you. Ya. This has been another episode of A Photographer's Life. If you've enjoyed this program, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. A Photographer's Life is brought to you by the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This episode is copyrighted, and may not be used in full or in part, without the written permission of the AIAP. Please join us again soon for another inside look at the world of professional architectural photography.